Zimbra, this is you talking, talking heads to my talking head, the comprehensive and encyclopedic compendium of all things talking heads. This is good rock and roll <clears throat> uh, music. Welcome back to the show. I say welcome back in case, um, just assuming that you've all heard at least one episode. But uh, welcome to the show if you've never heard an episode. Uh, this is uh, You Talking Talking Heads to My Talking Head, the comprehensive and encyclopedic compendium of all things talking heads. This is good rock and roll out music. I realized I was about to explain the show, but I had just already explained the show in the introduction, and that was not necessary. But welcome to the show. Uh, we have a very special one Today, very, uh, we're breaking from the format. We have been going through Talking Heads discography in order of release, in uh, 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 sequential order. Chronological, that's the word I was trying to think of, chronological. We have been doing that, but we are breaking away and talking about something that isn't even... Uh, official brand, officially branded as Talking Heads, but uh, certainly uh, is Talking Heads adjacent. We are talking about the not only tour, album, but also movie, American Utopia, David Byrne's American Utopia, I should say, which just came out. Uh, we will be talking about the music. We will be talking about the movie. And we have a very special guest uh, who's going to be joining us for that. Comedian Demia Dijuibe is going to be here, and I'm very excited about that because of his connection to Talking Heads, which we will talk about when he is here. But one person I want to talk to before that... Oh, by the way, my name is Scott Ackerman. I'm the lead. Since we're talking about Broadway, I'm going to be using stage terms here. I am the lead of you talking Talking Heads to my Talking Head. Uh, if what am I? It, you are the supporting actor. <laughs> so wait, are these acting roles? Yes, I've been reading my lines. Have you not been reading your lines? I no, wonder. I've been you've been going off lines. book so much. Well, I'm off book every every week. So I guess off book, I'm by the way, is a theater the term. Uh, off yeah, book sorry. means not reading your lines. I, I know I need to uh, explain this for the people who are. Uh, a, just downstage of us uh, in the peanut gallery, as uh, uh, William Shakespeare once uh, coined them, I believe. Did he coin yeah. peanut gallery? He did. He also coined the terms men's and women's rooms uh, when referring to the, the, uh, the bathrooms. At the Old Globe? At the at the old grove, the, at the, the old, old grove. grove. <laughs> By the way, that's what I call Josh Grove when point. I see him. Old grove, the old grove. What's up, grobes? Um, but he is the supporting actor to my lead actor. Uh, please welcome to the show, Adam Scott. Hello, Adam. Hi, everybody. Uh, listen, I don't know if I've ever talked before on this show about 
my love of the theater. But I feel tonight it's appropriate because tonight is uh, theater term night uh, here. It truly at, is. Uh, yes. We have stage right, stage left. Point stage right, if you could. Stage no. right. Yeah, stage right. Not, As not if, up. Not up. You're pointing up right now to the, to the heavens. As if I am on stage. stage As if you're right. on stage. Point stage right. No, you're pointing down at your penis right now. It's a point. It's it's basically to your right, unless you have your back to the audience. Ends up being towards the penis when you're on stage. It's that is all, definitely one acting style where everything is directed at the penis. <laughs> yeah, that's the only acting style I know. It's all penis centric, isn't that? The, Every, isn't what there Meisner taught? Yeah, isn't there some sort of acting style which is just basically every scene is just prelude to fucking, essentially? Like, oh yeah, that that's a whole. Did you watch the the vow that HBO thing that about? Uh, uh, how do you pronounce it? Nixium or Nivium or yeah. how do you? Nixium. You said I said two things and you said yeah, yeah. Both of them are correct. <laughs> oh, okay, thank you. I, I did not watch it. Why? Did you watch it? The guy just got a, uh, 150 years in prison. Yeah. And there's a thing he did that reminded me of like acting teachers where he's like, you know, we're men. So all we care about is fucking. It's <laughs> like, fuck, fuck, fuck. What do I want to fuck? I want to fuck that. And when I'm d- done with that, I'm going to fuck that. And I'll just keep fucking it. You just have to fuck. Ugh. I know. It, that's the like, dude. Wait, that's the dude from The Vow? That's the guy or that's, that just got 150 years. Or what about your acting teacher? How many years did well, he get? Well, just it, it felt like a, an acting teacher who, who, who's, who's kind of surmising that it's all just, it all comes down to fucking. Surmisner. Like yes, he's surmisner's that it's all about fucking. Sir Meisner, welcome. Sir Meisner. Ah, Sir Meisner is here. He's about to fuck you. Um, what, who's, who's the, uh, I, I, I had a couple of acting teachers like that. I remember I had one in college who had like, um, he had very, uh, there's no other way to say it, but very Mark Marin energy. Hmm. He, uh, he. Was it he, Mark Marin? It was not Mark Marin, but he, he would, uh, you know, sit down in a chair with, uh, you know, leaning against the back. He'd turn it around and lean against it. Sure. He had a, a, a big long mustache. I think his yeah. name was Mark. He had a lot of Marin. sounds. So far, you're describing Mark Marin. <laughs> he had uh, about an hour of material every single time we would meet. <laughs> right. Uh, but uh, acting teachers, yes, they uh, they are the scum of the earth, are they not? <laughs> That's what we're here to say. Have you ever taken acting classes? I would doubt it, but uh, yeah, you, go ahead and hit me. You can't. There's no way of knowing by looking at my work <laughs> if it's something that's been studied or not. Was it? Was there a certain time with your acting? By the way, Adam Scott, you may know from certain acting projects, uh, Parks and Recreation, um, other less popular things, which I can't name. Uh, he currently has a game show, uh, which is, and I have a... I have a mnemonic way, or not mnemonic way, but I have a way to trick my mnemonic? my brain into remembering what the title of it is. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Ask me if I want to watch your show. Do you want to watch my show? I don't. Oh, that's what it is. Don't. Yeah. Yes. There you go. That's right. There you go. Um, so, uh, uh, but what was the biggest challenge for you as an actor? What, like, 
would you watch your work and adjust for the next time or what like do, or are you embarrassed by your early roles and what did you fix would i watch my work and adjust for the next time well sure i mean like go oh gosh i was i was pushing it there i was a little forced i'm going to dial it back next time i go onto a set or or were you, you perfect right from the jump you mean like as a as a young, like young actor starting, I don't know out. why I need to explain this to you. No, well, I, I, I said I, it I'm perfectly. Just curious about the context because I I would work so infrequently if I watched something and thought, "Ooh, I should make an adjustment." I would have to hold that adjustment for like seven <laughs> months, and then and then be like, "Oh, okay, now I can now now I can apply this to this." These three lines on Boy Meets World that I have. <laughs> Do you feel like there was a role where you really like broke through and you were like, "Got him!" Ooh, I I nailed this. Yeah, were you were you watching? Was there uh, now? I remember uh, when I was in Oklahoma, uh, the, the not the state but the musical. Mm -hmm. um, my mother came to see it, and she gave me a very nice compliment afterwards. She said, "You were so good in this." You. This is the first time I felt watching your acting like you really uh, believed what you were saying. Oh, boy. <laughs> so I mean, was there ever a moment like that for you? I'm where still my, chasing Where my that. mom came up to you and said anything I'm, like that to you? I'm still chasing that feeling of your mom complimenting my work. <laughs> but at le what I'm saying is at least she did uh, enjoy your work and think you, uh, she believed you. It it really made me feel, though, that I had wasted the previous eight years of my life, or <clears throat> I used those eight years in getting to the point where I needed to be. How old were you when you were in Oklahoma? 23. Wow. Where is this production of Oklahoma with a 23-year-old Scott Ackerman? Uh, <clears throat> let's see. That was up, uh, pardon me, because I am choking uh, every other word. But uh, is this, by the way, an episode of Choking Every Other Word? Yep. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Choking Every Word. This is Scott. And this is <coughs> Scott. And today we're we're choking every other, every word. I don't know. I don't know if um, it, it's every other <coughs> word. Just a few words but it, at a time. <coughs> It's definitely frequent. <coughs> frequent. It's a frequ frequent choking. Yeah. Let's but try to I do would, it. <coughs> Excuse me. I would. <coughs> I would say that it's it's more like <coughs> it's more like every <coughs> every fifth fifth word, <coughs> word or so. Yeah. Yeah. <coughs> I don't know what that <coughs> what that is. I don't know what the <coughs> hell is <coughs> going on. But uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks. Bye. <coughs> Bye. <coughs> Yeah, that was enjoyable. It was very good. So far, this is an enjoyable uh, uh, romp of a podcast. Yeah, what have we, so far, we have... Let's give ourselves grades. You know, uh, uh, the reviews that Broadway shows get, uh, Broadway, sometimes they, yeah. they stay up late. Uh, have you ever done Broadway? No, but I've been to Broadway in oh, okay. several have you different ever, towns. Have you ever stayed up late uh, in your own life? Oh yeah, sure. Last night I stayed up pretty late. No, last night I went. <coughs> last night I. Jeez, is this another episode? <laughs> I think it is. God damn it! 
Um, what's the latest you've ever stayed up? Uh, is 14 a time? Can you stay up till 14? In military hours, yeah. Yeah, I've been up till... So you, you stayed up till 2 p.m.? Till 2 p.m., yep. So wait, when, uh, do you, when do you usually go to bed? I usually go to bed at like 8, 9 a.m. <laughs> okay, when do you wake up? Uh, I usually wake up right in time for dinner. I, I wake up, dinner is the most important meal of the day. You got to have it uh, before you, okay. s- you know, go to work. Or school. Okay. okay, so you so then you 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 stay up until until like until, I said eight nine a.m. Okay, that's when I go to bed. Okay. Why? What time do you wake up? Um, I'm I'm pretty normal. I usually wake up uh, somewhere in the five p.m. Uh, okay, so you range. wake up a bit earlier than I do. Yeah, and then I, I go to bed at 6 p.m. That must be nice. I, I Once in a while, I'll wake up that early, and I love it because you're the only one up. You can walk the dog. You, you can, can get you, some it, stuff it's, it's like you're in the middle of I Am Legend or something. You're walking yeah, around Los no Angeles. One's around. No one's around. It's 5 p.m., and it's like it's a ghost town. No traffic. <laughs> I'll sometimes just walk down the freeway with my dog. Oh, yeah. And At a, 5 and a, p.m., no traffic anywhere. It's gorgeous out. And a semi-automatic uh, rifle. Sure. Like an and, I, am, I Am Legend. Sure. And I'm just shooting zombies. I think oh, yeah, zombies. that's the other thing. There's zombies everywhere. There's zombies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, were by there the way. zombies in I Am Legend? Is that what that was? I think it's a zombie movie, yeah. I think it's, a, a, as they say, a zomber. Fine. <laughs> Why does that upset you? <laughs> I was just frustrated with uh, you, have, you know, just kind of rubbing yeah. at my face a bit. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, you're right. It, it is frustrating. But in any case, so uh, they would stay up late on Broadway and wait for those reviews to come in. Oh, God, And that's yeah. a lot like uh, what we're doing right now. We're just like staying up late, waiting for the reviews of this romp of a podcast. Waiting which hopefully, for the reviews. Hopefully one of them is going to say it's a romp. When I was a young kid... And by young kid, I mean, I don't know, 11, 12, somewhere in that range. Sure. Uh, that's yeah, in, By all metrics, that is young. Yeah, absolutely. By any measurement of time. Uh, when Other than in dog years. In dog years, <laughs> Wow, that old. was real. That cough was real. Um, in any case. Uh, you oh, so never, I was a kid. Yeah, oh, gosh. Uh, okay. And I, I was on a trip to NYC, New York City. Uh, with my, uh, with, with, with your otherwise side known, otherwise with known your as, guma. Yeah. Otherwise known as not the home of Pace Picani sauce. <laughs> sure. And my step uncle, uncle, I mean, I can just call him my uncle. He's a yeah. terrific guy. Does it, why do you need to downgrade your step uncle? You know what I mean? Like, do, well, do you think? I don't think it's a downgrade to say step. A, a step yes, it is. It's a downgrade. Otherwise, we wouldn't it say it. It's certainly not an upgrade. It's a you don't walk around going like, "This is my stepmother." Oh, isn't that great? Isn't that great that my mother, you know, divorced my dad or died or whatever, and now I have a stepmother? What a wonderful situation this is. No, it's not an upgrade. Okay, I it's mean, not I even a lateral you. move. It's a, it's a downgrade. It's definitely a downgrade. But if that were the truth, then stepmom would never have won like best picture and everything. That's true. Oscars. It did win best picture. So we're at this play, uh, the Broadway show Dames at Sea. <laughs> oh um, wait, so you, and your step uncle did this one? 
That's why you're he there? Did the, yeah, he's lighting designer, right? So we go see Dames at Sea on opening night, and uh, which was – I'd never seen a Broadway show before or anything, so it was a huge deal. And then afterwards we go to the party, and the uh, papers arrived at the party, and it was a big hit, or it got Whoa. a good review. So I assume it went on to to be a big hit. I don't know. Someone can do the research of Dames at Sea in, uh, in who New do you, York. Who I do you want to do the re- research? We don't have anyone to do research like that. Um, well, I don't know. I, you know what? I'll what? hire someone tomorrow to to do that research. Like an intern or? Uh, no, I think I'll hire a professional researcher. Okay. At like a salary, like a base salary with Yeah, yeah. I'll pay, and- him, I'll pay him a good – a good salary, good livable wage. <laughs> what are we talking? I mean, obviously, like not minimum wage because this seems like it's going to be a lot of work. But like, how much are we no, talking? No, I think we all know that minimum wage in the U.S. is is not cutting it these days. Uh-uh. Uh, no, should it needs, be fifteen needs to get up there at least fifteen. I'd say I say fifty, fifty dollars an hour. Fifty dollars an hour w- would be fair, but I feel like this is a uh, a pretty tough job, um, and it's. Specific. We're talking about researching one specific year. thing. It's not like you're saying, "Hey, go research everything." This right. is very specific. This is very one. specific. Exactly. So, I need to find out the production Dames at Sea when it was exactly in. In uh, I guess it would be the late eighties. Um, and was and, it a hit? You know, it could take months to. Yeah, to, it's going to take some. A crack researcher. So what are we talking? Six figures? At least. At least. Huh. How many how many hours a week would you say? Uh let's just say fifty because it's gonna be there's be a little bit of overtime in there. Yeah. I'll do it. Well, I okay. I mean you can send your resume in, whatever. Um Oh shit, really? Okay. Yeah, I mean it, What I, are you I'm, what are you looking for in an employee? I need someone who can get some researching done and get it done okay. in like half a year. Okay. Well, I do you want to do the job interview? We, right now? Sure. Okay. I mean, it's it's your it's your picnic here. So, you can <laughs> Very good. Very no, good. No, you can choose the, you know, to to have the basket filled with tuna sandwiches or it can be filled with shit. It's it's up to you. <laughs> Is this part of my job description? <laughs> Do you want me to pack your? It's part of your interview. You have to play along with all of this. Oh, like, sorry. Okay. I'm, uh, pl- uh, you know, seeing your demeanor. I'm watching how, everything uh, now. The, how does one play along? Like, yeah, at, sure. But how does one play that. along with you saying you can fill your picnic basket with tuna sandwiches or shit? Like, how? What is the response you're looking for? That's up to you, man. It's your interview. Well, I responded the way I wanted to respond, and you told me that I was blowing the interview. So what are you looking for? I didn't say you were blowing the interview. I just said you need to respond the way you're going to respond. It's your pick. I responded the way that I responded. I know, and it was great. Really? You're hired. Yes! Can I just say my greatest weakness is that I care too much? I've been keeping that one in reserve just in case you Interview's over. You don't need to... Okay, I just wanted to say it because I was so proud of that answer when I thought of it. Well, uh, we'll see. You'll be judged, uh, you know... Can I get get my salary in advance? No. No, you get paid when the job is over in six months. (laughs) I don't think that's legal. I think you have to pay at least some of it as we go along. Sue me. 
Fuck you, I will. My dad's a lawyer. Test number two completed. Great job. You're hired again. Yes! I knew it. I knew this was still part of the interview. Yeah. <sighs> okay, so now can I have my salary in advance? No. Okay, when do I get it? You can get it. Um, hmm, let's see here. Ba, 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 ba. Hmm. What's today? Today's Wednesday. Add 14, carry the two, put it down there. In six months when you finish. Fuck! I don't think that's legal. Sue me. I can't sue you. Who am I kidding? My dad's not a lawyer. I don't have any money to sue you. All right, I'll just do the job. Great. Oh, damn it. I thought that was part of the interview. I was hoping you would say that you, it was all a joke and you were going to pay me. Now it is. Great. Yeah. Hired again. Awesome. Can I have my money up front? No. <laughs> How do we get out of this? I need money, Adam. <laughs> Wait. Why do you need money so bad? I don't understand. You think this is paying the bills? You talking talking heads to my talking head? Have you heard one ad on this show? Have we read one ad since we've started doing this show? Not one. <laughs> no one's listening, Adam. No one's well, listening. Well, if they were listening, they would be pretty psyched about this content. <laughs> Good Lord. Look, uh, Adam, we we have to take a break. Does oh. that surprise you or does that shock you? I think it's needed. Look, we we have a very exciting show. We have uh, yeah. we're gonna we're gonna be talking about American Utopia. Have you watched it yet? By the way, <laughs> I should have asked you before we scheduled this. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> when you say "oh yeah," what does that mean? You watched it once. Or you watched it enthusiastically, or, or I watched what it enthusiastically be? once. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, good. Well, we um, have to take a break. We're going to be talking about American Utopia, the film, the album, the Broadway show. When we come back, we will also have Demi Adigiwebe will be here. We will be right back with more. You talking talking heads to my talking head after this. Welcome back. You talking, talking heads to my talking head. Special American. Ooh, there goes that fade. Uh, American Utopia edition. I'm here with Adam Scott. And we're going to be talking about American Utopia. Uh, and uh, uh, before we, we bring on our guest, Adam, did you see this in the theater or did you just watch the movie? When would I have seen it in the theater? Uh, I'm. I'm flummoxed oh, by that oh, question. Sorry, sorry, sorry. What, I thought what? you meant like the movie. Did I see it? Oh, oh okay. Um, no, <laughs> I'm just, unfortunately. I'm just like, do I have to explain no, Broadway no, no, shows no. to Adam? I mean, he was just talking about uh, having gone to one, whereas yeah, his his step uncle was the lighting designer, and suddenly he doesn't know what a theater is? That may have sounded like the beginnings of a terrific <laughs> bit, but... Um, <laughs> No, I, I, unfortunately I didn't. I, I, it was like one of the first things I was going to do when I got here last spring, uh, to start the show. But, but then that didn't end up happening. Well, you probably, you probably would have driven to the hotel 
or wherever you're staying first. Yeah, I would have unloaded, like unpacked, maybe get off a plane. Get off the plane. Well, yeah. So, Jesus, yeah. Get off right. the plane off is the probably plane. number one. Yeah. And then I would have to get a ride from the airport to. Well, actually, um, do you do you clap when the plane lands? Yeah. Okay. So I do that for. That's the very first thing. You're right. <laughs> the very first thing. Thank you, Demi. The first thing I do when I when I'm in New York officially is. I finish the applause that I started when we were just off the ground. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because you clap continuously throughout the flight. So on I a cl- flight from L.A. to New York, that's, that's a six-hour. Scott, that's not fair. I, I clap for the last 10 minutes of the flight through the landing. How do you know when to start? I ask the flight attendant. Will you you say, just give me, give me a 10. 10 more minutes. Give me a 10-minute warning. Do they give you a light from the front with their phone? They give me, yeah, because we're usually, they've already told them to sit down. So they just give me a, a Morse, you know, Morse code. They give me a Morse code. What are they, what are they spelling out in Morse code? We're landing in 10 minutes. We're landing in 10 minutes. That's a lot of Morse code. I asked them to give me a 45, a cool 45 too. So I've got a cool 45 and then 35 minutes later, they give me the, the sweet 10. So you're not startled. Yeah. So yeah, I'm not surprised. I know it's coming. It's in exactly 35 minutes. So I'm I'm ready by the time that that sweet 10 comes. So when that's over though, of course I you got to finish clapping, yeah. You finish clapping, then you unbuckle your safety belt. Unbuckle the safety belt. I kind of just shake off the detritus of air travel. What when uh, you're in your seat, you're shaking this off? Yeah, the, for, it's the no, sorry, I stand up and then Okay, I yeah, shake we off forgot a detritus. very important step yeah. there, standing up, yeah. I uh, shake off the detritus of uh, air travel, and then I, I grab my carry-on. Well, depends if I'm if I'm if I have a seat in front of me. If I have the seat in front of me, that's where my carry-on is. Uh, easy access. And do you have to strap it in with the seat? I I don't even know if if they would allow that. Uh, they they let you do that? Yeah, I, as long as you you know belt it in and glue it to the to the to the bottom of the seat, you're fine. Glue, wait, glue what? The, the, the carry-on? The you have to gl- what kind of glue do you use? I use just regular, just Gorilla Glue, the kind you get at Target or... Regular glue? Store. Gorilla Glue? That's regular not regular glue. glue. Regular Gorilla Glue. <laughs> That's not regular glue. If you're using Gorilla Glue on everything... Well, Elmer's wouldn't work with the fabric that they use for, uh, you know, seats on, a, on an airplane. Right. That's why that wouldn't work. Yeah, because... <laughs> That's right. Gorilla Glue works great. Is this an ad for Gorilla Glue? What's going on? Yeah, are we sponsored by Gorilla Glue? Six ninety nine for like a I don't know a seven ounce bottle. It's a Kevin has deal. told me that we Amazon. have not been able to get any ads on this show. But is he <laughs> funneling them straight to you? Yeah, so you're sorry, cutting this one's me not out. For the show. This is just me. I have a, a oh, thing son going of a with bitch. that. Right now. And for the Christ. copy that they gave you, they didn't. They said it's six ninety nine for I don't know, like seven ounces. Yep. That's right. Okay. <laughs> here, I'll show it to you. It's right here. The copy's right here. Oh, that's interesting. Wow, yeah, there it is. Wow, I there it know. is, yeah. Six ninety nine for, I don't know, seven ounces. There it is in 48-point font. Why so big? <laughs> Dollar an ounce. That's a Gorilla Glue uh, motto. <laughs> that's their motto? Dollar an ounce. That's, that's not just something that they said. That's a motto they, li- they like Dollar an ounce. run their company by. They put it we on the bottle. Guarantee it. <laughs> so what, what happens with inflation down the line or- they, that's the thing. It's inflation proof, and it says that right above the. Uh, it's inflation right proof. Inflation proof motto. It's the only one in the world. 
Okay, well, we should be using Gorilla Glue as our currency then, right? Sure. Well, and s- some people do use it as currency. I'm going to after I get paid for this ad, I'll tell you that much. But what if they pay you in Gorilla Glue? Well, they are, and that's that's why I need to use it as currency, because I don't have uh, a ton of real currency. I just have a, a shitload of Gorilla Glue. Got it. I was always thinking, like, you know, the 99-cent store. I'd be like, well, what about inflation? Do Are they going to have to change their... You know, like the the $5 burger at, at Carl's Jr. It used to be like, hey, this would cost you $5 at a, at a fancy restaurant. And then it actually cost $5. And then they had to stop saying it, you know, because it didn't make any sense anymore. But I was like, at, some, at one point, they're going to have to like call it the $2 store, the $1.98 store. But it turns out they just like make everything smaller. Really? They just like as as inflation rises, they just give you less and less of the thing that you're paying ninety nine cents to. So it's like hmm. you know you can get it's just you can get your stuff or no you can you can get like hey four sponges for ninety nine cents, but then like you know five years later they give you three. Should we introduce our guest? I think so. Maybe he wants to weigh in on this topic. <laughs> the ninety nine cents store. Yeah, I've been silent for so long. Yeah. Um, we want to introduce our guest. He is a comedian. He is a musician. He's a writer. He, uh, I-, I believe, was writing on... Were you writing on the Amber Ruffin show? Yeah, I am. Uh, you're currently doing it. That's great. I'm, okay. I'm in a Zoom right now. I should, I should go. Oh, shit. Wait. Is, are you talking to us or are you talking to her? I'm so sorry. What, I'm sorry. One second, Amber. What was that, Scott? Wait. Hold on. Was the whole Gorilla Glue thing with Amber? Yes. What are you guys doing? What is this? Oh man, we 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 were talking about Gorilla Glue as well. Oh, that's so crazy. Do you also glue your carry on to the seat in front of you? We were yes. just talking. Wait, that we're is not, insane. We're, you're not stealing our bits, are you? We're not going to watch bits? the Amber Ruffin show tonight and see Gorilla Glue on it, are we? No, you wouldn't, because the Amber Ruffin show airs on Fridays, Scott. Okay. Speaking um, he, of uh, throwing a plug in there, yeah, seriously. <laughs> Um, he is, uh, a, a, a great comedian and, and one person that I really wanted to have on the show, uh, uh, for several reasons, but please welcome to the show, Demi Adijuibe. Hello. Hello. Uh, Scott, can you give me one of those reasons? I will. Yes. Okay. So, uh, I was on a, a different podcast on another network mm-hmm. called Blank Check, where, yes. uh, they were talking about uh, uh, David and Griffin were talking about uh, the oeuvre of Jonathan Demi, and I came on to talk about something wild. And I noticed that you were on the episode before me talking about a little film called Stop Making Sense. That is correct. And I listened to it, and it is one of your favorite albums. I'm not sure about favorite films, but it's one of your favorite albums. You say you've listened to it more than any other album. Is that right? I do believe that's true, yeah. It's one of my favorite, both. I've watched it maybe three times this year already, and it's like... Stop Making Sense is the album I listen to whenever I'm just like, ah, time to go for a walk in the neighborhood. It's like, I put on Stop Making Sense. Why not? So you're going on hour-long 20 walks through the neighborhood. That's right, and I don't come home until it's done. My dog hates it. <laughs> Wait, you're not taking your dog? You gotta take your dog on these walks. This oh, no, is like he hates prime it. dog time. He hates it because I'm taking him out for so long. Oh, okay, your dog hates walking. But he also, he also has a pair of headphones on, and he hates that album. That's right. He is not into uh, Talking Heads at all. That's one thing I found, is Talking Heads is not music for dogs. They hate him. They hate it. 
It's not. But uh, in any case, Demi, I I wanted to have you on mainly for that reason, because you're such a a super fan. And knowing that this is sort of the spiritual sequel to Stop Making Sense, I wanted to check in with you about it and see what you thought about it. Yeah. But I uh, I don't want to ask you that right now because we need to set the scene and I don't want to get your opinion just now. So right, sit on you got to tease people. Sit on that opinion for a little while if if you don't mind because we <laughs> we should talk about the show itself. Um American Utopia on Broadway. David Burns American Utopia on Broadway just came out. This is an emergency recording session. We uh, uh got it together as soon as we could to put out this episode. And uh, just came out on HBO Max. I'm not sure. Was it on HBO regs? On the regs? I have no clue. That's a great question. I don't know. Isn't it? Really is a good question. Scott, did you see this this show in the theater? Okay, I'll tell you my my experience with American Utopia. So uh, my first... Uh, The first little taste I got was uh, uh, when David Byrne was on The Colbert Show. Did you see that? Either of you guys? I've seen that, yeah. Demi, you were nodding, but this is an audio medium, so you're going to have to speak up. Sorry, I was nodding. Again, it's the other Zoom. Oh, it's uh, Amber? I was nodding t- to Amber. She was, asking, was she was asking if I saw uh, David Byrne perform on Colbert. Oh, that, that's exactly what we were asking. This oh, is crazy. It? That's wild. I've got to see this, this I should get her on yeah. Friday. Yeah, yeah. I got to see what she's talking about. So um, I, I saw I saw uh, David Byrne on Colbert, and uh, it was really cool. It was him and, and the band dancing around the entire audience and doing choreography and doing choreography with Colbert. And it, it seemed really cool. So I was like, oh, man, this this. And OK, let me back up a little bit. I also saw the David Byrne St. Vincent tour in 2012 at the Greek here in LA. And that was sort of the genesis of this tour, I think, because um, they had seven or eight horn players uh, who were all, uh, their their instruments were miked and they were all able to do choreography around the stage. Hmm. So that was sort of, but, but the drummer was in one place hmm. and the keyboardist was in one place, but the horn players were all kind of doing choreography. So um, I saw that, and then I saw the Colbert thing, and I said, oh, wow, this, is, this looks like it'll be a little more of the same, so I want to go see this tour. And then um, before it came to L.A., I uh, watched the Coachella performance, which was streaming live. And that was like, I think it was like at around 5 p.m. The sun might have gone down or something during it, but it was really fucking cool. And I remember telling you, Adam, that, that we have to go see David Byrne when he comes to the Shrine um, this is like a must see. Yeah. And then, and then what, what happened? We didn't go. When you say we didn't go, was I texting you constantly for no. the, for the month before then? No. And you were not returning any of those texts? No. I remember you saying, we've got to go see this. And I was like, yeah, totally. And then, and then I don't remember anything else. Happening. <laughs> yes. Did you say, well, let me, oh, it's happening? Let me fill and- you in. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I said, it's happening. Should I get tickets? Hey, it's coming up. Are we going to go? Should I get tickets? And then I think maybe the day before you're like, oh, sorry, I'm out of town. Can't go. <laughs> yeah. It's a bummer. I wish I, uh, I, wish I would have figured out how to go see that. So uh, I I, w- I wished I had gone to see it, but then when I heard it went to Broadway, I uh, knew I had to get my little tush to New York City. 
and um, I flew to New York and I saw the show and uh, uh, yeah, so I saw it. Uh, I saw it on Broadway. Demi, did you see it? No. And you know what sucks is I flew to New York uh, just being like, I promised uh, uh, David and Griffin that I'd do the show at some point. And I was That's like, right. hey, you no flew to, you flew to New York to do that podcast that I did. And That's I, right. And I flew to New York, not just to do the podcast, but I did their podcast in New York and saw David Byrne on the same trip. Yeah, I was there and I was it was like the anniversary of Stop Making Sense. And I learned about American Utopia happening because it was like the anniversary of it. And I was like, oh, maybe I should go see it. And then I didn't. And now watching this, I was like, I fucked up. I absolutely should have gone to see I flew to New York for a Talking Heads thing and then was like, I'm not going to go to this other Talking Heads thing. I was thinking recently about time travel and like going back in time and reliving your life with everything, you know, with like perspective and why and were you no, thinking about that? I just for something I'm doing. And I was, I was just, I was thinking about it. And the, and the one thing that I keep thinking about is trying to figure out how I would go to the Pantages to see stop making sense. Like how I would convince my parents that I was old enough to see a, a, a concert and how I could save up enough money or how I would just like, kind of ditch them and go see it. I was like, as long as I'm back by 11, I'd have to take public transportation. Yeah, because <laughs> you were like, of age where you could have like snuck off and actually gone. And, gone yeah, I would have been 14, which would have been a stretch with my parents. That's um, what you would do with a time machine, Scott? <laughs> that's literally like the one of the big things that was on my mind. How would Why I, don't you just go to the thing yourself as the adult in the time machine? Why do you have to convince a younger person? No, but this to go? this is this is me if I if my consciousness gets transported back like a thirteen going ah, on thirty. Okay. Yeah, this isn't okay. a Back to the oh, Future. That's all you to say. This is a thirteen okay. going on thirty. You just you didn't clarify that. This is Jennifer Garner as Scott Ackerman. Yes, going to the Pantages, sneaking off to the Pantages. Who's the Mark Ruffalo in this scenario? Well, I think he's the Incredible Hulk in my biopic. Okay. It's the Incredible Hulk and Jennifer Garner as Scott Ackerman. Yeah. I'm, I met the Hulk and I, we hung out for like three years. And so he would probably play the Hulk. Okay. Anyway, so you didn't go see it and you fucked up. That's right. And then I watched it here. But and, you watched, uh, you watched it uh, at, at your home. Yeah, a few times actually. I've watched it twice as well. Adam, you watched it once enthusiastically. I loved it. It was terrific. And I, 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 you know, if I was a betting man, I'd say I'd, I'm going to watch it again. I put it on again today. Um, I watched the back half for the second time and just, I, I really was struck. I was like, I, I think I'm just going to have this on in the background a lot. Yeah. Much like what you do, Demi. It's just so great. But let's, yeah. let's talk, let's talk about the show itself. Uh, before we get into to our our views on it, so this was uh, it started out as, of course, the album American Utopia, which came out in, I believe, yes, came out in twenty eighteen, a collaboration uh, with uh, Old Sourpuss. Yeah, He's Brian. rearing his ugly head. Wait, here. Brian Eno produced that with him. Brian Eno uh, produced uh, or or co-produced with a few people, but uh, also co-wrote all but one of the songs. Oh, wow, all but two of the songs. Sorry. Um, yeah, old sourpuss just frowning his way into this sunny project somehow. Yeah, when David Byrne mentioned old sourpuss during the show, I was just like, oh, jeez. I, I was surprised <laughs> that people weren't like boo. He says at one point, he goes, 
Oh, my friend, Brian Eno. I just wanted people to say, boo! I'm surprised Old Sourpuss didn't enter the theater and ruin everybody's night. Just like going thumbs down to everybody. Is this also where I mentioned that I'm actually really close with Brian and... uh... Oh, he's talking to Amber. Don't worry about it. No, I'm not. I'm talking to you guys. He's still talking to Adam. I'm talking... He's still talking talking to Amber. Are you talking talking to to Adam Scott and Scott Ackerman? Two writers on the Amber Ruffin show who have her names. Maybe maybe we shouldn't have said that about... Old Sourpuss. It seems like we've really he insulted You're calling my friend Old Sourpuss he know to my who face. He doesn't know about. He's calling shit. Brian Eno, my close friend of oh, many shit. years, Sourpuss to my face. I feel, I feel terrible. Demi, I'm sorry. And that's I just feel... the first line of uh, the sketch that I think we should do. What? He uh, does again! I'm so sorry. What are you guys... What's going on? I'm so sorry. <laughs> See, I really got to... Oh, no, no. I told you. Fuck. Um, so the American Utopia record came out back in 2018, uh, back in March. And I remember there being like a kerfuffle when it came out. This isn't, I mean, the major thing about the record, but, um, I do remember a little bit of weird press where Mr. Burns, uh, people were a little upset that, uh, I believe not a single woman played on his, uh, record. Is that right? Like, Hey. Yeah, they were like, hey, well, why do you only have men uh, musicians? There's like 30 or 40 musicians on this record, and I think they're all men. So he came out and apologized for it and said like, uh, my bad. And um, so I actually think that this tour, he intentionally um, hired a bunch of cool women, and uh, they're really cool. But um, so this album came out, and uh, d- have you heard the record, uh, either of you guys, the actual record? I haven't heard the record, but I remember when uh, Everybody's Coming to My House dropped, and I heard that, and I did get very excited for American Utopia, and then it totally just, I forgot about it until uh, the Broadway show was happening. But that song is great. Yeah, it is, and I think I had the same feeling, and then just never really thought about the album again until (laughs) I watched this (laughs) on HBO. So, so it's really good promotion. Whoever was the oh, yeah. PR department for American Utopia, at least these guys thought they should listen to it, but they immediately forgot about it. So, not much retention. But um, what about you? Uh, did they you went get on into that album at all, Scott. I I definitely did. It's you know David or Mr. Burns's uh, solo records are um, you know uh, spotty uh but uh some are really great and yeah. this one i thought was uh one of the better ones mm. i i definitely and i will say seeing the show so many times uh really makes you enjoy the songs that they play a lot so they went on tour for uh a few uh or not a few years but about uh definitely a few months and um it was a really unique tour so for anyone who hasn't seen it Essentially, what happened was Mr. Burns was sitting around his goddamn apartment, and he was like, just, you know, mulling this tour over. He's just like, oh, what do I do? What do I do? Oh, my gosh, I have a tour coming up. I'm so scared. What do I do? <laughs> he's frightened. Are he's you got bullying st- David Byrne? <laughs> he's got stage fright. <laughs> no, he's sitting, he's sitting around, and he's thinking about the tour, and he, he really enjoyed the, uh, the tour of St. Vincent, where um, the horn players were able to wander around the stage and do the choreography. So he started wondering, well, could we do that with the entire tour? Could we do it with every instrument? And he didn't quite 
he couldn't quite wrap his mind around how to do it with drums. So uh, he called up uh, his uh, his drummer, who he's worked with for a long time, uh, Mauro Rafosco, and he said, "Hey, is this possible? Could we do it? Could we do it with drums, where the drummers are wandering around?" And and Mauro thought about it, and he said, "Like, okay, let me let me really think about how many drummers you would need in order to replicate." Like not only what one drummer right. does while he's sitting down, but also what percussionists do. So he really mapped it out and he thought, okay, for one drummer who's sitting down, we'll need three drummers. We'll need one we'll need one guy doing the bass drum, we'll need one guy doing uh the snare, and we'll need another to do the like the uh the cymbals, right? But we also need three other drummers to do what a percussionist would do as well. So he came to David Burns or Mr. Burns and he said, Hey, I think we need six drummers. Um, what do you think about that? And then, uh, they, they got the keyboards and then the bass and the guitar. And so Mr. Burns is thinking about this and he's, he, he knows he wants two dancers too. So he ran the numbers. I read this article where he's like, I'm very budget conscious. And so I ran the numbers and I, 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 I thought about how much we were, every show was going to cost and how much uh, the band would cost, and I really wanted to keep everything under budget. So he actually wanted to have yeah. horn players, but the budget wouldn't allow it. So that's one thing I was wondering about when I, I watched this because he just has the guy who's playing like synth horn, right? Synth horns, yeah, exactly. So so that's just a budget thing, but um, he, he eventually worked it out where he could have this cast of people. So when you watch the show, everyone is playing their instrument while standing and doing intricate choreography uh, with and behind David Byrne um, the entire show. So it's an, a 100-minute show, and everyone is standing up and dancing the entire time. It's really incredible. It, it is really really good really incredible i i i had high expectations just because everyone who had seen it said it said it was great and and uh i was afraid it was going to be overhyped but it was terrific it was not yeah. overhyped so it, and and i i also read this uh really interesting article um about how they mic'd the instruments because every single instrument has to be mic'd uh, the same way you would when you go see a concert. But when you go see a concert, they're basically like all the mics are just set up in one place and they have area mics above the drums and stuff. But they're moving around with these um, instruments. So all of the mics have to go inside all of the drums. And they, c- they couldn't construct the drums the normal way that you would because of the mic inside. So they had to find like special skins for all the drums that were looser than normal so that you would get the sounds that you would normally hear in a concert with this mic inside. It was really fascinating, like how much work they put into this. Yeah, it's interesting. So uh, the head of the the drum line went to these six Nick drummers. Cannon. Nick Cannon, of course, <laughs> wearing his turban. and talking about the jews um uh he he went to all the drummers and said like here's what i'm thinking but what are you guys thinking and he said that everyone came back with like all these great ideas of different instruments when you watch the show like they're 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 all drumming these really unique drums 
Um, and they all had ideas and they brought it and said, I think this would be cool for this song. And I thought this would be cool for this song. And so it was really collaborative. And that's just, that's just, you know, there's six drummers. Uh, that's just part of the show. I mean, it's really, it's really incredibly intricate. They had to rehearse for six weeks, I believe, eight hours a day. I bet. Jesus. And, uh, it was choreographed by Annie B. Parson who uh, is a choreographer and dancer and director from Brooklyn. Um, she's the artistic director of Brooklyn's Big Dance Theater. And basically, so what did you guys think of the of the actual choreography? How did it hit you? How did it hit you? I thought it was great. I feel like there's something, uh, it, just the way that they use space, even uh, in how he sort of replicates the thing of the certain parts of the band coming out on stage uh, in pieces like he does in Stop Making Sense, it, it all works so well. And the fact that they're, like dressed uniformly and that they move in such a like it all it feels like the choreography works so well with both the lighting and the camera that it, it's weird to think of how this probably plays as a live show because I, I feel like visually it's so you know specific but it I thought their movements were incredible and even just the fact that they can do all that and like memorize it while also being like all right we got to play the right notes and shit I it floors me yeah I I thought the same there's one song I think it was um this must be the place where they did that sort of signature move where I saw in a lot of like publicity photos of he and the two kind of main dancers doing that one move where they, do you know what I'm talking about? Where they all, Oh, kind of where, where they're, down. they're sort of like arabesquing. They're sort yeah. of like, they have they walk like an out, Egyptian outstretched <laughs> arms and sort of crouched legs. Yeah. yeah. And it's so simple and it was sort of indicative of a lot of the choreography, which was, just sort of just really simple, but really striking and great. And just that one move, um, it got applause every time they did it during the right. the song on the chorus, they would do it every time. And it, each time the crowd went crazy and there's just something in the sort of brash simplicity of all of the, uh, all of the choreography. And part of it is seeing so many of them, uh, doing the choreography together. And some of the choreography was just them walking back and forth too, or right. just a group of them being on one side and David Byrne being on the other and them changing, you know, changing places. It's so simple, but so just fun to watch. And part of it is the music, the happy music. But then he also like midway through the show talks about his idea for the show was, what's the one thing people like watching more than anything else? And it's other people doing it. Sorry. What? Yeah. <laughs> what did you people say? People doing, doing it. it. Doing it. Um, and I think in he's this talking case, to Amber again. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> See, that's part of his conversation. It, with it's Amber. still as part. Yeah. He's I would get fired if I was saying that to Amber. I'm talking to you guys. I'm on the podcast. You talking. Oh, what's this it called? Is, <laughs> you talking. <laughs> Amber Ruffin you, to me. You talking talking heads to my. He wouldn't heads. insult us like this. No, He's definitely no, no, no. talking to Amber. Okay, <laughs> I am not talking to Amber. I'm talking about American Utopia, wonderful Broadway show. <laughs> okay, I think right. he He's is convinced me. He is to talking okay. to us. Yeah, definitely. Um, hi, Demi. Anyway, yes. Um, well, a lot of the choreography is uh, is very uh, deceptively simple movements. I was reading. Um, an interview with Chris Giarmo, who is the dance captain. He's the striking. Uh, dancer uh, slash backup singer who wears uh, 
sort of drag queen inspired makeup. That's his uh, yeah, he was uh, view on it. He's great, and he uh, he essentially um, says that the the what uh, uh, Annie B. Parson does is she takes sort of normal movements. It's kind of what what David Mr. Burns did in Stop Making Sense, you know, with the chopping on the arm, and he he she takes these sort of deceptively simple movements, but everyone has to do them in unison and while they're performing their instruments and they all have to hit the exact move. They can't just sort of half-ass it, you know? And so it's actually very, very difficult to do. And Chris Giarmo was talking about how, uh, like what the hardest song was. And um, he was saying the hardest song for him to do was uh don't worry about the government which is really early on in the show but uh you guys uh can see these movements that they're doing he has to sing while doing these perfectly in sync every single time and it's really it's really incredibly difficult to do yeah the choreography for that one struck me because it feels so much more intricate than everything else and it feels like it's a lot of pointed movements and a lot of like voguing in a way that feels like it sort of disappears later on in the show. Right. So I'm not shocked that it's complicated. Nothing, Adam. I don't remember that one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you only watched it once enthusiastically. I guess I was being too enthusiastic at that point. Here's a question I had. I, I, I could have sworn that life during wartime was in the set list, but I looked at all the set lists, even from the tour. I don't think they ever played that fucking song. It is not the one. The one song that they put as a bonus track at the end of the album is "The Great Curve." Um, speaking of Kulop, she was not with me when I saw the show. Damn. Um, <laughs> but uh, um, but I, and I can't recall whether that was an encore that I saw when I saw the Broadway show or not, but, um, so I seem to remember cheer enough. Yeah. I seem to remember it ended with road to nowhere, but maybe they played the great curve, but, um, yeah, it's a, it, it, the show is a, not surprisingly for something that started as a tour to promote an album. Um, it has quite a few of the American utopia songs in it, but it also has a lot of Talking Heads songs and a really great cross-section of some of the best songs from Mr. Burns' recent solo work, which uh, are you guys as familiar with his solo records? Not at all. Depends. Like, I, I, I was surprised there was no, there weren't any songs from like Ray Momo. Is that how you pronounce that? Like first big yeah, solo probably, record? Yeah. Because there were there was like a hit on that album and they that, that wasn't in there. So a few of these I didn't know, but I definitely knew that everyone's coming to my house and lazy. Do you know that was pro- that's maybe Mr. Burns is one of his bigger hits. Yeah, uh, from his one. solo. But that's record. not a that's not a Burns song, right? That's Express. Express Two is the is the they're sort of DJs who did it and he sang on it. Okay. Um, and then Toe Jam is uh, is his one of his songs with uh, Fatboy Slim, which was kind of popular. Um, but yeah, so it's kind of across. It's it's like you get the best of Talking Heads um, with I think three songs that were in Stop Making Sense, but then you get all these really great um, Mr. Burns songs, which have have not been really performed live all that much, with a band that is. I would say as good as the Stop Making Sense band was, if not better. What? Interesting. I, th- I mean, 
that was a great know. that was a great band, but I mean, these guys are doing everything they did and dancing the entire time. Which you know, George Harrison, look, God bless him. He uh, you know he didn't have to really dance a lot in the Beatles. He he basically like they they would bow simultaneously. That's as choreographed as the Beatles ever got. But when he got to you know stop making sense, he he you know shook his little butt up there on the stage you know during one part of stop making sense. But uh, you know he, he you wouldn't you wouldn't say this is a choreographed uh, show stop making sense. But this this uh, American Utopia is yeah. But those traveling Wilburys concerts were highly choreographed. That's that true. Roy, did around the Roy world. Orbison was insistent upon that. He was like, yeah. I've never done a show that's not choreographed. <laughs> And then Bob ah! Dylan too. He's very dancing, very fool. active on stage. Yeah, I'm gonna do I the remember- robot. <laughs> That's right. Watch me floss. Wait, was that to Amber or was that to us? <laughs> Sorry, yeah, that was you- to Amber. What are you oh, guys okay. talking about? Robots also. Bob Dylan. Doing we we're also talking about. Well, we weren't talking about robots. We were talking about dancing. That's so funny. Yeah, I have a sketch called "What If Bob Dylan Did the Robot." Oh, okay. Yeah. So, uh, uh, yeah, when I saw this uh, on Broadway, um, I want to talk about the experience a little bit because, um, you know, most Broadway shows, they have a sign when you walk in that um, tells the audience when they're going to stop serving alcohol. And it's usually at intermission, like right after intermission, they're like, you know, there will be no more drinks. And uh, this one uh, had a sign, I think, that said, we're going to be serving the entire show. <laughs> and <laughs> I, when I saw that, I said, uh-oh, trouble. And uh, sure enough, um, I there was a, a huge fight. Maybe I've talked about this on the show, but there was a huge fight in front of me um, during the show between um, two groups of patrons where um, – they were arguing, and I think they're just arguing about, like, w- the people in front of someone wanted to stand up and dance during a song. And they were saying, like, sit down, sit down. Um, and it came to blows, and people oh, got— I remember this. At the David Byrne show. At the David Byrne show, people got kicked out of the show. And that was crazy and put a lot of stress uh, into a show that was a feel-good, good-time show. But, yeah, that's kind of— the other weird part about it is my friends from the band Yacht um, were, I guess, up in the balcony, unbeknownst to me, and they saw me down there. And so they wrote to me the next day to say, like, hey, wasn't that a great show? And I said, yeah, there was a huge fight. I don't know if you saw it. And they said, oh, yeah, there was a big fight near, near us as well, up in the balcony. Really? Everyone fighting at American Utopia. You, you wouldn't think it. This is such a good time show when you watch Bunch it. Like everyone's just having a great time. But yeah, uh, I bet it's people going like, man, this is my favorite song. It's like, no, the next song's better. No, the next song sucks. And then they, they're just like, <laughs> how do you know what the ass. next song is? <laughs> I checked um, the set list. <laughs> so um, let's talk about the, the actual film as well. Uh, you know, after we take a break, we can go through the songs and talk about the certain songs. But h- how do we how do we feel about uh, Spike Lee is the director? How do we feel about uh, how he directed it? I loved uh, how it looked and felt. And the, remember that there's that point in the in the show where there's like a light, a lamp or a light bulb kind of going out on stage to David Byrne. And then it recedes again during Bullet, that? I think. Yeah, you're right. And at, at one point, the when it recedes, the, he cuts to a shot of the camera 
uh, receding, like it's on the stand with the light bulb. I thought that was hey, Tommy, was cool you, stuff like that. Do you think Adam just learned the word recede? I, I do think he's got a word of the day calendar. I only used it three times, and I only used it three times before this today, and I loved using it. It sounds good coming out of your mouth. It's really good. Um, if you guys don't mind, I'm just going to recede for a second, let you guys discuss <laughs> yeah, sure, the no problem. Uh, Spike Lee direction. <laughs> Demi, how, how'd, you, how'd you feel about this, especially in comparison to Stop Making Sense? I loved it. I think Spike Lee really did a, a good job, and it feels like the kind of thing where like when I thought about the fact that Spike Lee directed this, it was confusing to me because I feel like in my head, like my image of Spike Lee is that he would hate everything Talking Heads is like just a bunch of like white guys <laughs> doing Afro beats. I feel like he'd just be like, fuck this. And he isn't. And the fact that he shoots this with such a good eye for how to make it feel like a musical and not just being like, I'm just going to film the thing you did uh, is impressive. Yeah. I just watched uh, Contemporary Color, the thing that David Byrne did with uh, St. Vincent and a bunch of other artists back in like, I want to say 2014 or whatever, like a color guard thing. And the way that is shot is so just sort of like, ah, we're just going to do this all once and we'll get as many cameras in there as we can to collect it all. And it That's kind of the feel... modern way of, of whenever a band you know, they were a little more popular six years ago or, or bands? Know, even 12 years ago, but when, yeah, bands in general were really popular, but, um, you know how they would put out a DVD or a filmed concert of the, you yeah. know, and it's pretty much just like point and shoot this, this totally. spike takes great care in, in making this a film and, 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 you know, it, it was a very different experience for me from watching it, um, with look, I'm going to be honest. Great seats, third row, but it, it's a very different experience because he's he literally is like filming it like a film. Sometimes he's doing above shots. He's getting up on stage and and you know I don't know if he's using sliders or, or what, but he's he's doing all these kind of weird close ups that are that are you know not an angle that you would watch the show from, from the audience. Right. Yeah. It looked like they had done the show without the audience there. Probably. Right. And, Definitely. Know. There are a few shots where like the camera is clearly moving with them, like in front and behind them. Like there's a shot where he's just following them from the front during, I think Ezimbra, And it feels so, uh, like it's, it's what makes it work so well as if you were to, like, it just elevates it to a new level. It's great. Yeah. The camera doesn't really stop moving for the whole the whole thing, which really works well. It took a little bit of getting used to a little bit because I just watched Stop Making Sense and and because we did that episode about it and and it is shot differently than Stop Making Sense. So like oh, anytime yeah. anytime they would do something that isn't what Stop Making Sense would do, I would kind of go, is that right? Like when they would show the audience during a song, you know how Demi didn't, yeah. uh, Jonathan Demi that is, uh, not this I was gonna Demi. say, I don't be trash talking me i'm right here i'm sorry i'm talking to amber right now okay got it yeah jonathan comma demi yes exactly jonathan demi Mm. um he would he would never show the audience he did all these kind of long takes he did a lot of it in close-up and this this is very different spike was definitely like you say uh demi comma this show was shot like a musical in some (laughs) sense like like uh, the shots from above were a lot like those old musicals where you would, you know, who's the swimmer the dancer? Busby Berkeley. Esther. Yeah, Busby Berkeley and and the swimmer dancer Esther or whatever her name is. Like it was Mary uh, Lou Henner. Mary, Mary Lou, Lou Retton. Mary Lou Mary Henner. Mary Kay Letourneau. That's right. Um, 
they were it was shot a lot like old old busby berkeley musicals which was interesting and but but the first time i saw it it was like is this right this isn't what stop making sense with did. this one though whenever he would be in a a close-up for too long i wanted him to jump back because i wanted to see the the whole stage more than i did with stop making sense there's something about yeah. like there's so everyone is doing such incredible yeah. things. I there, I tell you one, and the second time I've seen it, it still jumped out at me. The one moment where I was like, "That's not the cut that I would have went to," is during um, "Once in a Lifetime," where um, the suddenly the instrumental break comes up, and Angie Swan, the guitarist, goes into the brown brown brown. Um, and he instead he doesn't focus on her. He's on Mr. Burns's back, and you hear a huge cheer. But Mr. Uh, Burns is like doing a pose. But everyone in there, this was my experience, was cheering for Angie Swan because she like comes in and is kicking ass. But he's right. not focused on her. But it, it is interesting. Every once in a while, I'd be like, "Oh man, I want to see the whole picture," you know? Because when I saw it live, it's just like fascinating. Every single performer is doing something really interesting. Pretty great. I, I remember Spike Lee being a huge Jonathan Demi freak. So I would imagine this was a cool thing to to do to sort of, like you said, make the, what did you call it? The spiritual Successor. sister of... Uh, Recedent. The, he got to just recede into uh, the work, which was very cool to watch. Apparently he watched it 20 times before filming it um, live. And um, oh, wow. it's a lot of tickets. Expa- I mean, I paid, I think, 150 bucks yeah. to go see it. So he, he, that's, we're talking three grand. That's yeah. probably why he did this. He's like, down. I need to make this money back. My salary, $3,000. Three bozos. That's it. Okay. Um, yeah. I was reading uh, a really good Vulture article with Chris Giarmo, who is the dance captain. And um, by the way, we also, I, I got to point out um, uh, Tendai. Uh, uh, um, she, uh, they, they both are the dancers. What is Tendai's last name? Um, it's oh, not the other like notes. main dancer? Yeah. Uh, uh, Kuumba. Uh, Tendai Kuumba, she and Chris Giarmo are the two dancers, and they're just, like, so magnetic. But I was reading yeah, a, awesome. a, a really interesting uh, inter- interview with Chris Giarmo, who was talking about how – and the first time you see him, he's so striking because he's wearing just bright makeup, and um, everyone is wearing suits and they're barefoot, which, by the way, this started because Mr. Burns was thinking about the the stage outfits, and he wanted everyone to be wearing the same thing, and he was like – well, I, I'd look good in a suit, so I'd probably want to wear a suit. That would look pretty snazzy. And so he thought, okay, everyone should wear suits. But then he was like, but but there should be something different. What if we didn't have shoes on? And so that's everyone's shoeless, which I guess uh, is really hard to do for the dancers um, because there's no arch support. So doing now, Quentin eight- can come and see our show. <laughs> <laughs> so doing eight shows a, a week with no shoes is like really, really tough to do. Yeah. So I was reading this article or this interview with Chris Giarmo and, and he got involved because he's worked with Annie B. Parson for um, several years. He actually was in the drumline thing, Demi, that you saw, which I haven't seen. He was a dancer in it. Oh, in um, contemporary color. 
Yeah, in contemporary color. So he mm. worked with Mr. Burns before, and he heard that Mr. Burns was looking for a dancer who could sing, and he just like cold emailed him and said, hey, uh, I'm available to do this. We work together on the contemporary color. And Mr. Burns just wrote back, oh, cool. Would you be the dance captain too? And that was it. No audition or anything wow. like that. It was just like he remembered him and gave him the job. That's but he's awesome. so... He's so striking. He comes out in um, like with bright, bright red lipstick and wearing sort of queer influenced makeup. And um, that was very important to him to represent that in the show. And so <clears throat> he hadn't met Spike Lee yet. And he was he was nervous about it because he wondered if Spike would kind of be on board with that aesthetic. And, um, so he came up and introduced himself to Spike and, um, was chatting with him and Spike, like about three questions in was like, Hey, what lipstick color do you wear? And Chris was like, Oh, here it comes. He's going to ask me to tone it down or he's going to ask me to change it. And he goes, well, I'm wearing like a neutral pink. And Spike Lee was like, no, 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 red, bright red. We want we want to up it for the film. We want to make it as striking as possible. And he just felt like very taken care of in that moment. Like that's Spike, Spike you know, really appreciated that. And and that's one thing about the the movie and the show. It has so many incredibly diverse performers with different personalities, and it's a celebration of all of those different people. By the end of the show, you just you really feel like you know these people in a way yeah. and you and you really feel like oh wow you know from uh Jacqueline Acevedo who's like a really magnetic uh percussionist who's always uh dancing and doing uh choreography as well as these incredible drum things every cast member dancing and choreography yeah both i mean it's incredible wow but um every cast member gets their time to shine especially in toe jam uh, where they all get to do like dance solos and stuff and it's you really come out of it going like this is a celebration of people i i agree that you kind of felt like you knew them a bit because at the end when they're all riding bikes yeah i was like "Ooh, i hope i get to see so and so on on the bike and you get to spend a little time with each of them on their bikes as well and you all you all sort of you you have your favorites in watching the thing and and what's been great about seeing it so many times is going back and like watching different people and what they're doing the entire time because every single person is doing something fascinating and and you know it's it's really cool a lot of people's backgrounds helped them get this job like i was reading angie swan the guitarist she uh was in cirque du soleil and jacqueline acevedo was like a dancer as well as a percussionist, you know? So like everyone kind of has these really unique backgrounds that they use um, to great effect in the show. Yeah. And they're all incredible musicians, just incredible. That's the thing that this, this is the degree of difficulty to be in this show. I cannot even imagine like, okay, you have to be one of the best musicians and you have to be an incredible dancer and be able to memorize all this stuff. It just seems like, I don't know how anyone did it. I would say, like, no. not only do you need to be one of the best musicians in the world, you have to be one of the best musicians in the universe. God, you got me. That's right. <laughs> Adam's flipping me off. All right, we've talked about it generally enough. We need to take a break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to be going through some of the songs. Uh, we will be right back with more. You talking, talking heads to my talking head. American Utopia Edition. Welcome back. 
You Talking Talking Heads is my talking head. American Utopia special. This is the opening song. This is called Here. And, uh, I really as it, like this song. Yeah, as it opens, uh, Mr. Burns is sitting alone on stage with, uh, holding a skull. Oh, a brain. Uh, a brain. Sorry, a brain. That thing, uh, the thing inside the skull. Do you get was, skulls and brains mixed up? I do. I hit my brain the other day, and now oh, I get Jesus. skulls and brains mixed up. Um, so this, Demi, you mentioned it, sort of starts off like... Um, Stop making sense in the sense that Mr. Burns is alone and uh, we add musicians as the songs progress. Yeah. Even like even just having it be him on stage until a harmony happens is such a interesting choice. And it's like just getting to see the stage, like the, the chain curtains built during this is a very cool thing. Because I think the chain curtains lift up at the beginning of the show. Is that right? They're all on the ground, and then the whole rig yeah. kind of lifts up and comes in. Yeah, it's very striking. And um, is this a song from the album American Utopia? Yes, yes. So th- th- this is kind of establishing the theme of the show, which s- addresses the connections we have as humans, and he he points out the human brain and how it loses connections over the years as sort of a metaphor to uh, people connecting, which is really interesting. So a very cool song. By the way, we have a uh, review of uh, the 1989 production of Dames at Sea. It wasn't 1989. It wasn't 89? All right. Wow. It was well, before that. You said it was going to take six months to get this information. Yeah. I guess you're right. So far, so good, though. That's part of research. It's, uh, you know. That, a lot of trial and error, as Michael Richards once said. That's right. Um, so after Mr. Burns sings to the brain, then um, we get uh, Tendai and, and Chris come in. And this is... Uh, a medley of I know sometimes a man is wrong and then it goes into Don't Worry About the Government, which he hasn't played live in 30 years. Really? I know sometimes a man is wrong I know sometimes I do believe By the way, he is in good voice. He's getting way up there with like a lot of uh, sounds Good. Is it a little processed though? They process oh, it do you occasionally, think? like on Once in a Life or yeah, Once in a Lifetime. They definitely do. Do you think the album is? Do you mean? I don't know, because I was watching it with friends, and my friend who didn't know David Byrne very who, well, Rachel, was, Joey, yes, uh, Phoebe, Phoebe, Monica, Gunther was there, uh, Marcel. Did you let Gunther in? Yes, we have to. He complains if we don't. Uh, I get it. But she was saying that she loved his voice, and then uh, my roommate was saying, well, that's definitely processed. That The word's like, I believe, at that point, it's a little too clean. But I don't know. Mr. Know-it-all Gabe. Could they, they, they could process it live, right? Like, yes. during. Yeah. Do you, when you say process, do you mean like auto-tuning it, or what do you mean? I think so. I think a little bit just like smoothed out in a way where it's like, if it, if not, his voice might like, 
crack down or be a little flat, but I wonder it's if not that like was, entirely replaced. I wonder if that was for the movie or whether they would do it live in the... Yeah, I don't know. Okay, this is Don't Worry About the Government. I like the way that this song sounds here more than I do with Talking Heads. Interesting. We have Tim Kuyper, I think who it's be- is out there with a uh, tambourine, doing the song on tambourine. I think it's because of the harmonies when it gets into the loved ones, loved ones, but I also just, I don't know. I like it. It feels more well, full I, here. Well, I think Talking Heads songs sound better with a, a band this size, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's yeah, why I like definitely. Stop Making Sense. That's why I like this. It's just so joyous. Let's hear those harmonies Demi was talking about. It's gonna I love this song. So I just think those harmonies make it even more joyous. It's so great. And, yeah. the, and the choreography that's going on during it, it's so amazing. Um, I was yeah. reading an interview with Mr. Burns where he was talking about certain tours that he's done recently where he will be doing it with, you know, pretty much like a backing track for a lot of the the music. And he said there's just a, you, you level out, like you top out at the level of excitement when you have that much of a backing track that the audience just doesn't get much more excited. They just kind of watch the show as opposed right. to this where it's, you know, such a huge band and they're doing this. He says the excitement is just off the charts. Hmm. So I thought I'd say that. I love that. I love that you said that. <laughs> All right, this is Lazy. This is uh, the aforementioned Lazy, the Express 2 song. Um, how do we feel about Lazy, guys? I had not heard it uh, before American Utopia, and I love it. Yeah, I like it too. I I don't know it either. It was sort of a... It was like a minor hit. It's definitely one of the few songs he's done that had kind of broken out to more of the public consciousness a little bit. Which is maybe why it's placed so high up in the show. And the dancing on this one's very fun too because it's like... It's a lazy dance, but it's so uh, fun. Oh, I don't want to talk over this part. Which part do you want to talk over? This one? Yes, this part's bad now. No. Uh, <laughs> I just... The, the dancing that he does for this one is so instantly memorable because it's just like him sort of going back and forth with his arms open and it's very fun and it feels in he's league to, with he's the ta- He's talking to Amber again. I can tell. Yeah. All right, this is Lazy. So the, What was the, that song, the song that he mixed with uh, talking about the government? It's I know sometimes a man is wrong, which might be on Ringomo. No, it's not. I just checked. I'm trying to figure out where it. It's it's from one of his. Yeah, it's from Ringomo. It is. Yeah. So in your face, (laughs) in my face. Sorry, you guys are saying Ringomo. Ringomo. Ray Romano. 
Ray reminded, oh, I know, Deborah. Sometimes a man is wrong. Oh, no. <laughs> Deborah. God. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Once vacationed at the same hotel as him. Um, yeah, that's from uh, Ray Momo. One of the last uh, songs on it, as I recall. Uh, good song. All right. So then, um, by the way, in between the songs, and this was not the case in the concert version, um, there's there's more talking. Like uh, Mr. Burns kind of does these like sort of monologues in between a lot of the songs where he talks about the themes of the show. Um, and uh, what did you guys think of all that? Did he do that when you saw it on Broadway? On Broadway, yeah, because okay. when when you do something on Broadway, I think there's an expectation that it's going to be thematically a little more challenging, you know? Right. Um, but not in the concert version. I loved it. I feel like David Byrne yeah. always has this feeling like he is a, a children's talk show host, and just <laughs> having those sort of interludes in between nails that feeling for me, and just him being like, here's another wonderful thing about the, the world that we live in. I'm like, great, keep that up. <laughs> By the way, Demi, did you see the John Mulaney sack lunch bunch? Yes, I did. Yeah. Loved it. It's great in that. I love the song that he does on that. <laughs> All right. So then he goes into This Must Be the Place, Naive Melody, which is just, oh, just incredible. Let's hear uh, this. I can't believe he put this so high up in the set list. Is it, you know, it's, cr- it's crazy. Watching this again, he has so many songs that could be the last song. And, and they're like song four or they're in the middle. Absolutely. The uh, uh, once in a lifetime is like, could be the end. It's it like, it, it brings down the house, let alone burns down it. But um, I'm, I'm always so shocked that he seems to love playing these songs still. Do you think, do you think at any point he said to Talking Heads, can we just call this David Burnin down the house? And they said, no. He was like, okay, my bad. Shouldn't have even mentioned it. At, definitely at one point. Yeah, I mean, of course he did. I think it's a weird it's weird to even posit that as a question. It's <laughs> almost like you're receding into your oh, Jesus question Christ. itself. I just want to, real quick, Adam, can you give me a definition yeah. of the word yeah. recede? Use it in a sentence. Uh, of rec- I'll, I'll use it in a sentence. Um, I receded to the store where I purchased uh, Butterfinger. Mm, it doesn't <laughs> Butterfinger? Really my understanding yeah, butter, of the, the candy word. bar. Butter. Okay, all right. Well, let me try again. Um, I'm going to recede on over to the coffee maker and make myself uh, a coffee uh, when I wake up in the morning. Okay, so you can recede over to somewhere. <laughs> Absolutely. You recede. Or I'm going to recede these dishes before I put them into the uh, dishwasher. Hmm. I'm just going to look it up. This isn't helping. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> this song is, it's, you see a show like this and you really, you know, someone who doesn't even know David Byrne or Talking Heads would, you know, it's one of those. By the way, there's a really one. great um, Stereo Gum article about this song that just came out today, uh, the day we're recording it, uh, by... Uh, of course, I've talked about him on this show before, Tom Bryan, a great writer. He does a column called The Number Ones, where he, he writes about every number one single uh, since the Billboard charts began in 1958. And this did not hit number one, but um, for 
the Indiegogo campaign to help save the website Stereo Gum, he's been. Uh, if if people pledged a certain amount, he will write about whatever song they ask. And someone asked about this song, and um, it's a great article that that Tom Bryan wrote. But even better is the person who suggested it writes about his wedding and how much this means to him, and it's very very touching. Go uh, read it if if uh, you can. This song was uh, the song that I heard that made me cry for the first time in quarantine. Uh, I went on a hike and I was listening to Stop Making Sense and I heard this song and it just made me think about uh, being in college and dancing to this song. And I was like, oh, to be in a crowd of people again. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. What day yeah. of quarantine was that? I want to day say. Day one. <laughs> yeah, I want to say it was day one. <laughs> Why are we here? <laughs> it was like March 23rd. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh Let's hear Ezimbra. That's next. I mean, oh, Ezimbra. This is so fucking so great. God. This is, by the way, I think um, the full band finally is out at this point, and Angie Swan comes out. I think this is the first time you hear Angie Swan. She's like amazing uh, guitarist. Oh, it's so great. By the way, Mr. Burns straps on his guitar for this as well. It sounds so good. This is the first one that I think is heightened by the way it's shot because he gets yeah. very close and like follows performers as they're going and it's it works so well. It makes totally. the song feel so powerful. What a great song. Yeah, this is where it really kind of takes it up a notch because the choreography with the entire band kind of starts here and it just starts to get really intricate and really impressive where you start going like, oh, holy shit, this is something incredible. All right, let's then go to Slippery People. Slippery People. Oh, this is so good too. I love this song. They do say little creatures in this song, Scott. Oh, they do. Why did we argue about that on a previous show? We didn't argue about it. I, I was like, <laughs> "Do they say it in this song?" And then I looked up the lyrics, and I was like, "Nope." But they do. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's why I need a researcher so badly. Yeah. <laughs> why don't you just recede to one? <laughs> yeah, I should recede one up. <laughs> Do, remind me, do they play this in... Uh, they do, in uh, Stop Making Sense. Yeah, They do, yeah. So, so far we've had two songs that were in Stop Making Sense. Not a lot from Stop Making Sense, I have to admit. Less than you would think. When I went well, back and counted... Like four. Yeah, it's like four or five. It's it's not that many songs from, that, that have the... And it's so great to hear some of the later Talking Heads tracks. Yeah, like Blind. Done this way. Yeah, Blind is amazing. God, this must have been so fun to see in person. Oh, my God. And I couldn't get anyone to go with me. I was alone. <laughs> um, okay, so this is this is um, Slippery People Destroys, and then, they, then Mr. Burns starts talking about television. And this is uh, one of his uh, songs about television. Uh, this was from the St. Vincent record, collaboration record. This is I Should Watch TV. Is that a good album? I never... Really... It's pretty good. Yeah. 
I like it. It was it was kind of my introduction to Talking Heads. Uh, because oh, really? Why? Because I didn't know about Talking Heads very much until I went to college. And around the same time that I was learning about Talking Heads, this uh, their Love This Giant came out. And I was a huge Were you a St. Vincent fan, fan before oh, that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, and so then I was like, okay, well, I got to figure out who this guy is. And then it was like, all right, time to re-educate myself about everything. When she was on Comedy Bang Bang... I can't remember if this made the actual episode or not, because we, we edited some of it down, but I remember saying to her that her album covers reminded me of David Byrne album covers. Mm. This, was, this was before this was announced, and she got a very curious look on her face like, hmm, really? And I, th- and I thought, that was a weird way to react to that. And then they, <laughs> annu- then they announced their collaboration like, you know, three months later or something. The way this one is shot, too, is so awesome because uh it's him talking and then he turns to the curtain and the camera like whips and you like it immediately turns into like a like he's looking at a tv like yeah the light through the curtains also it's the so very cool. very last shot of this when the lights go out is very dynamic and mm. um is is an example of not shooting it just from the audience's perspective of like oh here's the show it's very right. cinematic um, all right, so then uh, we go into the single from uh, American Utopia. This is Everybody's Coming to My House, which... Um, what do we think about this? Oh, I love this, and I love the story he tells before about a bunch of kids, like elementary school or junior high kids, singing this song and how he felt it changed the meaning of the song to something yeah. far more optimistic and inviting. Uh because he always meant it as like more of a cynical meaning, like, like I can't uh, wait for these people for to these leave. everyone to leave. Yeah, and then they play that uh, over the credits, the yeah, elementary really nice. school, and it's really good. I love the drums on this song so much when it kicks into the chorus, just yeah. great. This was very fun to watch uh, with friends who didn't really know or care about David Byrne because they just kept commenting on how much he uh, feels like an alien who's just landed here and is like <laughs> talking about buildings a lot and how oh, yeah, cities don't... work. Who did you watch Plants this with? And trees. Uh, my friend Liz, who is really big into music but does like just uh, talking Has blind spots, yeah. Yes. Um, okay, so then after that we go into kind of what i mean could have been the end everyone was so hyped up by it but this is once in a lifetime just an incredible performance Everyone gets so excited anytime uh, one of the bigger Talking Heads songs yeah. comes on. It's very infectious. <laughs> it oh, yeah. is. But how incredible to have this many hits where you can put Once in a Lifetime in the middle of the show, oh, have yeah. it be as good as any encore, and then go, nope, we still have a full show to go. Yeah. We've done seven or like eight songs. Let's keep going. I mean, how many 45-year-old people got excited in the audience when this song started? Well, I'm a 29-year-old, and I was fucking jazzed. I know, but I'm just wondering about how many 45-year-olds. Let's say eight. That's a good number. That's fair. Yeah. 
I want to get to the point where Angie Swan comes in with the guitar just because uh, she shreds. She shreds and... It's just such a cathartic moment of her going, wow. Talked over it. Oh, sorry. I mean, you heard like one second. Yeah, it wasn't it. cathartic for Demi and I. No. I, re- I feel like I just receded into my Tough soul. shit. <laughs> the, she does recede this really well. The weird thing about this song is because I got into Talking Heads so late, every time I hear this song, I think about the trailer to Wreck-It Ralph. <laughs> oh, my God. Which so is what a, are you thinking about? Well, like, are you thinking about the images, the character, Ralph? Are you thinking about Sarah Silverman's princess character? What, what exactly I'm thinking is... about it all. I'm thinking about the establishing shot in the trailer when you hear this song and, you're, and then he's like, I'm going to wreck it. And I'm like, okay, every time I hear this song from this band I love, I got to think about this movie. <laughs> I still think about I still think about Down and Out in Beverly Hills. Yes. Oh, yeah. Because I remember being bummed that they use the song twice it opens and closes i know wild um so they they destroy on that and the audience is like and by the way this is the first song i believe where the argument happened (laughs) in the performance that i saw because a guy was dancing around anyway so they they kind of destroy it and everyone's on their feet they're clapping and then they do the classic move of all right let's take it down a notch this is glass concrete and stone also a very good song. I love this one. Yeah, this is great. This is from... Um, what album is that it movie? Which one? The Oh, In Good Company? I think it yeah. is, actually. This one was not on uh, Wreck-It Ralph. Although if they wanted to use it in the sequel, I mean... Yeah. We should recut Wreck-It Ralph and use this uh, the trailer for I'm on it. Grown Backwards is the album that this is on. Is that an album about your penis? <laughs> it's receding. I'm using it correctly. <laughs> My penis, that is. <laughs> you use your penis correctly. What do you guys think of this one? Nice little breather. I love this yeah. song. Yeah. I love it. And then um, the next song is is probably I I was trying to say like what's my favorite moment in this and I think Toe Jam might be my favorite sequence in, because they all get to do like a dance all, and, yeah you get to see all of their personalities it's such a good song it's so, I, let's play it and let's hear it but it, it it really is everyone gets their own spotlight moment. It feels different from the rest of the show too. I feel like the lights even change like yeah. color significantly. It be it it becomes a community performance at this point, you yeah. know, yeah. in such a great way. This one feels so much like a Rafi song, like just a song for children. Have you guys seen the music video for this song? Uh, no, what's it like? It was, I think it was like, it went viral a while ago, but it's like, basically, it's a bunch of people in a house getting naked, oh, yes. and then the sensor bars, yeah. Yeah, so they, so it's, it was weird because I was watching the video and I was like, this is very atypical for a Mr. Burns video because it's essentially people gather in an apartment and they start taking off all their clothes. 
and they're they're like sort of sexy models. I was like, what is going on? And then the sensor bars, like the black sensor bars, um, depending on what body positions everyone is in, spell out different words, which yeah. is really cool. So good. My favorite one, I think. And then after the joyous um, celebration of that, the lights get very stark and Born Under Punches starts. So let's hear that. Um, it's uh, a very cool... I feel like this is one of the more popular Talking Heads songs that I have never been a huge fan of. You know, I don't, I don't know that it's, it, it, I don't know it's popular in the sense of it never like broke through to the public at large necessarily. Right. But do you mean public, like popular of Talking Heads fans? Yeah, like that people talk about being like, oh, well, these are the big songs of. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Yeah, I mean it's. Doesn't it open Fear of Music? Not Fear of Music, but Remain, Remain in Light. Light. Remain in Light. So Demi hates this, so we're going to skip ahead. Can't stand it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then comes another song off of the album American Utopia. This is uh, I Dance Like This. A little bit of comedy in this song where everything stops and they're still dancing. They do that a lot in the in the show where they have like sort of silent moments and the audience goes, Well, you know, it's, it's it starts with lazy because they're Okay, so my friend and I had a thing where we were like trying to name every instance in music where there is a lyric with using the word stop and the band behind the singer stops. Right. So like in Allison by Elvis Costello, sometimes I wish that I would stop and the whole band stops you from talking. So we were trying to think of like all the instances. So they do it in lazy and then they, they do it in this must be the place. They, they do it. No, they do it first in lazy and then they do it in this must be the place as a callback to lazy. But Mr. Burns was saying. No one views it as a callback to Lazy. They just viewed it as this really beautiful moment in one of their favorite songs. So it gets like this rush of applause. Right. Um, but but he was like, it was a kind of a happy accident. We just kind of were doing like a callback to the thing we did in the previous song. This was the one that I wasn't crazy about. Yeah, it doesn't it's, feel like a a song that fit like is in the same style as the other ones. Yeah, you know what's interesting no. is be, is is this is a Broadway show that came from a tour. And like I was saying, there are songs that they were doing on tour that I wouldn't have necessarily have included in this. And that's one. No. So not my favorite, but then, uh, this one is bullet, which is really interesting. I think. And this is from the new album. And I think it's kind of cool for a slow Demi. You're, nodding your head like eh, maybe no i like it i like what he does like with his where he goes into that false like oh great dog i really like that oh yeah skin that women had touched but the bullet went on through what's interesting is we have three straight tracks from the new album 
Yeah, this is the bathroom break. You know, because every day is a miracle is from that other Eno David. No, it's album. no, it's from this one. It's from American Utopia. I thought it was from their album. From, Check out um, your screen, bro. It was from that one. Uh, it's it's not. See? You're thinking of uh, One Fine Day. That's what I'm thinking of. I love that song. <laughs> Demi actually did go to the bathroom <laughs> during this song. Who? He did? Yeah. I did not. I went to go grab a laptop charger. Okay, so then... I don't uh, pee. Oh, sorry. I don't mean to... I don't want rumors spreading insinuate about Insinuate that you... Um, then this is Every Day is a Miracle, the third song, uh, straight song from American Utopia. I think this song is so funny. I did not know about it before American Utopia, but the lyrics are very, uh, they're just, they're comical in a way that I, I, I can't even explain. It's like... What's the what? What would you say is the comical part of it? Well, because he's like he says something like uh, a chicken it, or God is oh, a yeah. rooster and Jesus are like eggs his son, and then he goes into like uh, the kiss like, of a chicken is hot. Uh, he says the dick of a donkey. something doesn't. Yeah, yeah, and something doesn't mean shit to a dog. The Pope don't mean shit to a dog. Shit to a dog. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's this part right here. Adam just went to the bathroom too. Now that guy pees. <laughs> that guy totally pees. He loves it. Real pisser. I like this song a lot. Yeah, this is a really beautiful. I think this will end up being one of the Stone Cold classics of his oeuvre. Hear the lyrics that I meant. The Pope don't mean shit to a dog. Did he just say shit? He did. He did. He's nasty. I think David Byrne is nasty. It's disgusting. So then after this one, um, the, the suddenly we have like harsh spotlights and we go into blind. This is like... God, oh, this sounded great. So incredible to hear with this big band. Yeah. Oh, this is... with this. I love the choreography for this song. It was like they were all being... Like the sta- yeah. it was acting as if the stage was tilting from side to side. Yeah, so in the choreography, they're all sort of like falling to one side of the stage and Spike Lee tilted the camera to accentuate that. It was really cool. Are there any things you noticed that were like different in watching it from the stage production to this? The, there are two things. The The one is is the very end uh, uh, on Road to Nowhere. They they didn't go out into the audience. Oh, they that, was, that was for the film. But the other thing that I was trying to remember whether it was in there was the Colin Kaepernick reference. I don't think it was in there. I think it was put in for the film, but I but I can't be certain. I was going back and forth, but I don't remember the big projection of Colin Kaepernick. When was the Colin Kaepernick reference? Demi, do you remember? It's. I think it was during I Should Watch TV. Right, yes, because I think they're trying to make a song that's about a trivial subject maybe 
mean more to it, but I don't remember that being in the in the Broadway show. But I don't know. Huh. I love the choreography in this and uh, everyone's characters that they're sort of playing during it. It's really cool. Uh, then we have Burning Down the House, which could be the end of any other show. But no, there will be four more songs after this or three more songs after this. That growl is so good. Let me hear you try to growl. <laughs> it's pretty that good. That was actually very good. Thank I think it's you. just as good as his. Oh, thank you. I should do American Utopia. Demi, you're a, you're a musician, as well as being a comedian and everything. I mean, In a way. What is, what is the, how difficult does this seem to you? Do you think I, you could do it? Absolutely not. I I don't even play in front of people because I'm like, this feels nerve-wracking. So to do that <laughs> and then also, like, to sing and dance or to sing and play an instrument, to do any two things, I'm like, that's crazy. So to do, like, three, I'm just like, these guys are superheroes. It really is endlessly impressive watching what they do. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. And they seem like they're having so much fun, I which I would say after about 20 performances, I would be like, Oh man, what a drag doing totally. this is. And but. fuck this. <laughs> fuck this, David Byrne. Fuck you. <laughs> this performance of Burning Down the House is so good, but it's so hard to beat the energy and joy of the Stop Making Sense version. Right, right. Yeah. But yeah. I don't know that it does. I think the Stop Making Sense version is probably better. No. But um and then we have uh this is okay, so this is a Janelle Monet song, which um oh, yeah, called Hell You Tombout, which um she performed at the Women's March. Um, Kulop was there, um, speaking of the Great Curve. And um, she I was there, saw... too. Oh, you were there? Mm-hmm. I speaking was. Speaking the Great P. <laughs> <laughs> this dude pees. Um, I, was at, I was in San Francisco because I had a, a, a live show, a previous engagement. I was bumming that I couldn't go. But in any case... I was across the street at the Man's March. <laughs> I went back swinging your big fat dick around. There's <laughs> <laughs> a man march. <laughs> Gotta let him know. Um, but so, so this is a cover of a Jan- Janelle Monet song, and this was um, I, in the four times I've seen it. I, it's it's very moving, almost impossibly moving when you're there live. I would say um, because this is a song about. Uh, uh, people of color who have who have passed away uh, and been murdered. killed, yeah, murdered essentially, and they're saying say, say his name, and they're and you, uh, they're encouraging everyone in the audience to say these names. It's really a very uh, striking moment. And then in the film, I was wondering what they would do in the film, and Spike Lee takes it to another level. Yeah, he and he goes further and and shows people who have been murdered since this performance of yeah right but he has a lot of their loved ones holding up pictures of them which is really the when i saw um the first one it just was like a gut punch it was like oh wow that's what he's doing and then it just continues on and there are so many names let's hear um some of this song 
this is the one that first got stuck in my head after watching this. Oh, yeah. It's so... It's just so uh, repetitive in a way that I think it's supposed to be that it's, like, kind of hard not to think about. And it's incredible. It's also the song where it feels like they don't... They stop doing choreography. Yeah. It's like they don't want the distraction to be their movement. You're right. They're, they they're, all just stand they're there. They're sort of in a line. Yeah, they're in a line. They They are stepping forward a few people at a time to kind of like lead the crowd and oh, yeah. saying these names um yeah um but yeah one of one of the more striking sequences in uh in film this year i would say is this an episode of i love film i don't know i think it was it was brief. It, was just, it feels like this whole thing should have been. Yeah, you're, you're right. right. What are we doing? <laughs> um, and that is a that is just a a very um, incredible moment. To not only watching the film, but to be there in person. And then you have a couple songs after that. You have one fine day. That's this is the song that he did with the Brian. Eno, oh, I, th- um, this song collaboration. And this is this is beautiful. Kulop heard it and was like. Did he write that song? Me too. I was, I was like, like, is this a song yeah. I've known all my life? And I'm... No, it's incredible. He performed it on Kimmel, I believe. Oh, that makes sense then. Yeah, this does feel like a song that has, it's like you hear it like and you're like, well, obviously this is, yeah, this has been around forever. Like I figured it was a cover or something. Yeah, that's what Kulop thought because it's just so classically beautiful. Speaking of Kulop. So good. Yeah. Watch the movie. Watch the movie for yourself. And then uh, the very last song is Road to Nowhere. We talked about it. Um, they are marching around. They go out into the crowd. Um, and they're playing to the camera and making faces at the camera and stuff. It's, like, very charming. Everyone gets their own moment. And then we go backstage with them after. Yeah, I love the shot of um, the stagehand marching yeah. Along. That was really fun. That was very stopping. I didn't like that. Descent. <laughs> mm. <laughs> and then Angie Swan, uh, the guitarist, go, goes up uh, and is talking to David Byrne. She's like, yeah, that's how you do it. That's how you do it. And then she looks into the camera and goes, world star! <laughs> Which made me laugh. <laughs> I love a good world star reference. It's also funny how he kind of processes it all, just being like, yeah, that was nice. Yeah, I know. He just, like, walks away. He's, like, offering high fives like a human would do. And then he (laughs) walks out of the theater with his bike and just waves at people and rides off into the night. Um, Yeah, and and over the credits, of course, we hear uh, everybody's coming to my house, the kid version, while we see all of the, the cast on bikes riding around it's just really i mean the whole thing is just 
joyous. Um, joyous, uh, a, a wonderful celebration of humanity, and um, takes so many of these songs, which are great, on record and, and takes them to another level. I really did feel watching it like I needed this. <laughs> like just a <laughs> shot of happiness and joy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, you know, this, um, we don't know what's going on in the world right now. Um, this is very attuned to what, I mean, they taped it back in February or filmed it back in February. And there's a lot of stuff about voting and um, a lot of ab- about current issues. And this episode that we're recording right now comes out the day after the election. Yeah. So, uh, who Congrats, knows what Hillary? <laughs> Hillary. Um, but who knows what's going on in the world right now? But if um, make sure you practice some self care, and if, and this is a good yeah. Watch this movie. Um, watch watch this if if anything is in the next uh, week or uh, month is getting you down. Take a break and watch this, and it'll uh, give you a little bit of hope for humanity. Yeah, and if I'm uh, dead by the time this comes out, watch it in my honor. Sure, of course. And Trump 2020, we want to mention. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When we say things are getting you down, it's if Trump loses. (laughs) Sure. What's this version of The Great Curve? I haven't listened to that yet. We listened to a little bit of it uh, before. Oh, we did? And you were here, and yeah. When we went to break, I played a little bit of it. Oh shit! Maybe I'll do it later. <laughs> I don't know if I'll get it. You get had the you had that slack jawed look on your face, like what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, guys, what is our? Okay, so when I when I went to see this show, I first of all, I I don't like taking pictures during shows because I've I went to see Springsteen on Broadway and they were so hardcore about anyone bringing their phones out during the performance. And I was, and I had a front row seat and I was like, man, this would be such great pictures, but I can't do it. And then everyone around me was taking pictures constantly. But so I feel, I feel really weird, but I did take like two pictures during road to nowhere because all the lights were up and everyone was dancing. Um, and I posted it on Instagram and I was saying at the time, like, I think this show as a show equals or is better than stop making sense what do you guys think Mm. i think it's hard for me to compare because i've seen stop making sense so many times and it feels like that's what talking heads is to me Mm -hmm. and it is interesting to watch this and just have it be like this is supposed to be just david byrne and he kind of separates the way that david byrne songs are presented from talking heads songs but it does feel like it feels more like it involves the audience and it's supposed to be a performance more than a concert, which is nice, but I, it's just hard to beat. Stop making sense to me. Me too. But I will say it's, it's similar. I see why you, why you say that because there isn't another show, a concert that is just brings out the joy of music and, and humanity like this and stop making sense do that they have yeah. that in I've common. seen I've seen Mr. Byrne a few times solo and this is the most reminiscent of stop making yeah, sense. I mean yeah. it 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 feels to me like you know how we were so upset that Talking Heads never toured again after stop making yeah. sense, you know, it's like this feels like the next step f- yeah. for that and unfortunately it took you know 35 years to do. <laughs> it kind of makes you wonder like, oh man, I wish 
Mr. Burns would have been touring with a with a band like this the entire time. But I just right. read that it is slotted to start again on Broadway September twenty one. Mm-hmm. Yes, if if, if, we're, if everything's back, yes, please go to it. And I I would maybe go with you guys if you want to go. Uh, uh, you know, we could. Should we do it Spike Lee style and go see it 20 times? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) $3,000. That's nine bozos between the three of us. Um, So any any final words on this? I couldn't recommend it more. uh, And like we were saying. Oh, my God. I thought you were going to say I couldn't recommend it. I was very worried. (laughs) Yeah, no, I give it a C plus. (laughs) That's the best, though. Um, Demi? Uh, I think it's truly fantastic. It feels so uh, it, it's just like it's so impressive how David Burns music is. It feels so singularly able to be presented in a way that doesn't feel like any other like concert film or any other performance. And I, I, I have to like I feel like as much as it is like a credit to the filmmakers that he works with. It's also like the music that he makes feels so uh necessary to be presented in such a way like i watched uh true stories twice this year and i I watched it earlier this week and was just sort of struck by how versatile talking head songs are that they can be like transposed to like other styles of music and like even just present like sung by other people in like this story format and you're like that's still a talking head song and it just feels like it's that thing of it, he's an alien coming to earth and being like i'm singing about all these weird things you guys do but i love it and i think that that sort of music is what gives way to people feeling like there has to be a way to present this to more than just the people that are in this room. And so it's awesome that we get to see something like this that does that so well. For some songs that are 40 years old, they still feel very vital. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. It it just, it doesn't feel like you're going to see the stones or whatever, where they're trotting out the old hits to cash in, you know, it really feels like necessary music. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of true stories, that'll be next week for us. And Ooh. so you you saw that a couple of times recently. Were you crying during that, you big baby? I was not because I'm strong. And actually, I was chopping wood while I watched it. So, <laughs> well, Demi, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, during thanks, this, thank uh, you for having it's me. Always great, always great to talk to you. And um, you are talking to us, right? Yes, I'm talking to you too. You too. Yes. I'm so sorry. Uh, really, one second, Bono. Uh, no, Edge, can you meet? Oh um, no, he's been talking up different Zoom with Bono. YouTube. Oh, yeah. Jesus sorry. What did you? What, what did you guys think I was doing? Um, have you been talking to Bono this oh, I'm entire so, show? I'm so sorry, Amber. Someone else is also talking to me. What's going on, Scott? How many Zooms do you have? <laughs> I'm so, I'm so I'm so sorry, uh, Mr. President. One, I just sorry, Mr. President. Saying, who is it? Donald. Who is it? We need to know. Yeah, tell us who it is. Tell we're, us. We're a week out as of this taping. We need I'll to know who it tell. is. Oh no! All right. Well, that's going to do it for us. American Utopia. Definitely check it out. Um, we're going to go out here on the Great Curve um, because Adam was not paying attention during it before. <laughs> Um, oh, it sounds great. <laughs> Demi, thanks so much. And thanks to you, the listeners. We'll see you next week. And until then, we hope that you found what you're looking for. Bye. Bye.